Hey, everybody. I'm Tyler Suters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are underway right now in Las Vegas. Our show runs through this Friday, January 11th here. And we are helping you to be CES ready by taking you right to the show floor. All this week, we are hosting media roundtables. This is a bit of an annual tradition for us at CES. We're talking to the journalists who are covering this year's show and, in many cases, have covered CES for years and years. And we're talking about how this year's show is framing the year ahead, the conversations, the trends, the innovations we'll see in the technology sector. So today, from the show floor of CES 2019, day two's media roundtable. everyone. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Sarah Brown from the Consumer Technology Association. I'm thrilled to be joined today by some of our esteemed media here at CES. Um, so we have from CNET, uh, Connie Guillermo. We also have from Tom's Guide, Mark Spoonauer. From Innovation and Tech Today, Charles Warner. And from Investors Business Daily, Patrick Seitz. Seitz. Sites. Oh, so close, so close. Um, so first I just want to start us all off by asking, what's, what's, what have you guys been seeing so far as you've been walking across the show floor? What are the big trends? Uh, well, for me, I mean, the good news is that it's very close, if you haven't checked it out. Uh, the rollable <laughs> OLED TV from LG is pretty mind-blowing. So LG Display showed it off last year, but when you see it up close, it, it's, it's awesome tech. So the fact that an OLED display can roll out of nothing, in this case, like a big sound bar, right? Um, I, I think it's gonna impress a lot of people in terms of what you can do with the mm -hmm. technology. So that, that's one of the things I really like so far. Uh, I'm gonna echo that, plus their video wall with all the curves. But I will say the thing that I'm most interested in is Apple's presence here at uh, CES. Apple never has a booth at CES. They used to have Macworld to make all their announcements there. And it's always been tangential, but they had a big billboard coming into um, Las Vegas. What stay? What what happens on the iPhone stays on the iPhone <laughs> to tout their privacy um, of their phone and how they don't monetize uh, user data to make money. And that they've actually made announcements here at the show, including licensing or making iTunes available and embedding it in Samsung TV and other devices because they need more people using their services as sales of their top-selling uh, iPhones start to dip. How about yeah, you? Yeah, um, I think Apple did some really good guerrilla marketing because um, we're talking about them, right? Uh, I think for me, it's the, uh, the robots. The robots are here, and there is a lot of robots and a lot of AI, and I've really noticed that uh, pretty much everything is connected and everything is smart, and uh, I hope we're ready for it. Number one robot. What's your favorite robot so far? I saw a sleep robot, and I didn't even know I needed one, but now I need a sleep robot. You just sleep with it, and you cuddle, and I was like, that's pretty cool. All right, Patrick you need to get a cat. what do you think? <laughs> uh, the thing that blew me away at this show was really smart everything. I mean, even things that uh, don't need to be smart, like toothbrushes and beer bottle openers and uh, things like that are getting smart, So, and it's all connected. Uh, you see... Amazon, Alexa, and Google Assistant really duking it out here to try to, uh, you know, get into these devices, be the be the voice assistant for all these devices, uh, and it's not a zero sum game because uh, these devices are 
adding support for both of these major uh, voice platforms. So uh, it's really exciting to see just the just the wide range of devices that we're seeing that are that have smarts in them now. Wait, and I'll add one other thing: the Google Amazon War over voice assistants uh, led us yesterday to the Google booth where they have this Disneyland kind of ride with the animatronics. It's like it's a small world, and it's intended to get you really comfortable with how Google Assistant is not this threatening, frightening thing that you should just adopt and embrace it in your life. And, and they say from the get-go of the ride that it's a cool ride, but it's also a marketing pitch. So they're very self-aware, but it's super fun. And if you haven't got, gone and seen it, you should do it. It's right in the parking lot across so the street. So there's no big drops or loop-the-loops <laughs> or anything? Well, like okay, good. <laughs> I, I do think it's great that, that people have the choice now when they buy a TV or another device or a smart speaker that you could just choose which smart assistant that you want. Um, but in terms of like what's impressing me more of the two at this show between Google Assistant and Alexa, I think Google Assistant has a slight edge uh, in terms of just being in more products. And I just feel like their, their ecosystem feels a little bit more open where I, I saw something at their booth where there was like a plug and play device for cars that's really easy to use. Uh, and then there's like the smart clock, uh, alarm clock from Lenovo. So I just feel like the ecosystem is growing a little bit faster right now. They're, they're getting more aggressive. And so, plus, you see them all over the, the all over the show. Even in like third-party booths, you see the the Google Assistant uh, workers with their all their wearing all white with the uh, little splashes of color, the beanie hats, hats. right? So, in the war of the assistants, you know, uh, Google versus Amazon. Do you think anyone else is even in the game? Do you think that anyone else could crop up, or really is it just a race to the finish for those two? It was. It, you know, this was Apple's uh, game to lose, and they and they just don't show up to this show. And they lost. They lost. <laughs> you they know, lost. I mean, uh, it's too bad. The assistant is in 23% of smart speakers. Alexa's in 75. Wow. If you do the math, that leaves not a lot of space for the other players. Mm -hmm. So Apple is shut out. I'll add that Google made a big announcement yesterday where they extended the assistant and they added interpreter mode, which lets you talk to their smart device with the screen that's coming out soon in English, translates it into one of 70-something languages, wow. writes the, a sentence that you've just said in that language. And so you could be talking to someone else who does not speak, uh, that speaks a language you don't understand at all. They can speak in that language, and you can hear what they said and read what they said. Well, no, it speaks it out, too. And it speaks it out, right. yeah. So, I mean, it was amazing. That was a great... Great and you guys, you guys can see it right outside at uh, Google's booth. After you take yeah. the Disneyland ride. <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of what you think, you know, for your readers that are, and, your, and your, the rest of your audience is following along at home, what do you think is really exciting them most in terms of what they're reading about, what they're seeing from here at the show? Well, one of those things, it's not something that's really materialized yet, mm -hmm. but I think it's 5G. There's a lot of interest in 5G networking and what it's going to do for us. We saw a couple of presentations yesterday. One was from Verizon, and I was actually pretty inspired about the medical okay. side of 5G, uh -huh. where they, they showed a hologram that there was someone who was doing brain surgery, and instead of like looking over at a screen and then back to the patient, which actually makes me kind of nervous, they used a hologram of that person's brain was overlaid right on the person's head when the person was doing the surgery, and they were wearing a HoloLens. That's incredible. And you cannot do that with 4G or even Wi-Fi, right? So it's stuff like that that really inspires me. And then for consumers, a lot of people are like, all right, so what is 5G going to do for me? I think the best way to summarize it is, like, you could down before you go on a plane home next year, maybe, you'll be able to download a 90-minute film in 10 seconds. Wow. 
So that, that is the power of 5G. And so like, our readers want to know, like, all right, when is this coming? When is it coming to phones and things like that? So do you think that 5G will be disrupt, disrupting other industries in the same way that it has the potential to disrupt health? Uh, home, home broadband, for sure, especially for people who are not happy with it. Uh, in fact, that's how Verizon started. They started with residential, and then they're moving to mobile. But I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I went to a Magic Leap in August before they announced their AR headset. If anyone hasn't seen it, I don't think it's at the show. But AT&T is a big investor in Magic Leap. Obviously, they're waiting for 5G so that their augmented reality experiences can have that instantaneous high-quality, high-bandwidth display. And CNET's over at Tech West, where AT&T has a booth showing the operating table of the future, which is powered with a doctor wearing an AR headset over 5G, doing a virtual surgery on a patient who's in another remote location, and the doctor's there following his lead and picking up the operation. You have to have ubiquitous, high-powered, high-quality uh, connection to make that possible. But AT&T obviously invests in Magic Leap. I think their headset has a lot of potential from an industrial design perspective, but it's not going to happen without 5G. So what else is exciting your readers back home? Well, I wanted to add about 5G. I think the, the most exciting thing that I saw was basically uh, the explanations, demonstrations of, of like machine-to-machine, -machine, Internet of Things kind of communications and how that's going to impact self-driving cars. I mean, you can have cars on the freeway as long as they can, all can communicate with each other about where they are and how fast they're going. Uh, it, with low latency, which is something that 5G has, you know, you, they can be driving at speed, it, you know, at 65 miles an hour and be really close together. I mean, and that's the future that I want. I, I think one of the things is that, like, there's always been tech, and tech is cool because tech does cool tech things. Cool. <laughs> but I think it's coming home as far as, like, practical application. In other words, tech not just to be cool tech, but, like, it really is making our lives easier. And, like, I saw a connected bathtub. You know, like, if, if anybody's got kids, like little kids, and you worry about them in the bathtub, like, it will tell you, you know, if something's going wrong in there. And so just a lot of these technologies are making our lives easier, making us more secure, making us, um, I guess, in a way, happier. So I think that's, that's the cool thing is that the tech is coming home, and it's, and it's easy to use. I have not seen the bathtub, <laughs> but I do have a one-year-old one that out. Right. I, I, would, I would also add, picking up on the LG demo of the rollable uh, OLED display, 65 inches, it's the precursor to foldable screens. And we're going to start seeing foldable phones, Mobile World Congress at the end of next month. Corning has been working on a technology called Willow, which is as thin as a, a dollar bill that you can roll up and then ship so that you can make any surface basically a display and wrap it around buildings. But the fact that LG which we're not going to be able to afford that uh, OLED TV. We were taking bets on what it's going to cost, $15,000, $25,000. But they're putting it in production, which means that it's going to be manufactured, which means that foldable screen technology is coming. So those things are not, and by the way, they're not going to be hard folds. It still has to be a bend. We're still at the beginning. But that now that it's getting into production, that means that we'll start to see it in devices and, and other things in the near future. And there's actually, there is a foldable phone here at CES. It's called FlexPi, and it's from a Chinese company, and we have a hands-on on, on Tom's guide. I had a chance to go hands-on with it. And people were like, okay, so what's the point of a foldable phone screen? Uh, in this particular case, it starts as like a regular phone, think of like a clamshell, but in reverse. And then when you unfold it, it's 7.8 inches. 
So it's basically wow. a phone that becomes a tablet and vice versa when you want it, right? So that could be great for watching movies and, and things like that. I don't know about battery life when you have something that's so huge <laughs> and thin and rollable, um, but the company says that it's rated for 200,000 bends, so open and closes. Um, but they're, they're the first, but Samsung will be next. So tell me more about artificial intelligence. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm seeing it everywhere. Where do you think its applications are, are, are most useful, most successful? <laughs> Healthcare. <laughs> I mean, uh, the thing about artificial intelligence is that's a term that's been bandied around a lot. And, and uh, what the most important applications are those that really you know, push the boundaries of, uh, of what's possible as opposed to you know, saying a, a voice assistant is artificial intelligence. You know, I mean, there, yeah, you could say that, but uh, but something like uh, healthcare, where artificial intelligence is able to read a, an X-ray more accurately, you know, for uh, possible cancer than a doctor can. I mean, then that's right. great stuff. And you're seeing a lot of AI in this new generation of health tech. I don't know who mentioned that. There's a lot of um, devices that are incorporating blood pressure monitors and EKGs following the Apple Watch Series 4. Um, there's one on, uh, Whiting's has one for 130 bucks that has an analog can uh, clock display, but it's actually an EKG. And they're collecting data to do predictive analytics for you, right? So that they can start collecting data about you, pump it into an app, then you might be sending it to the doctor. So the, if this, then that. Predictive technologies of the data that they're collecting. And so, I mean, AI is the underpinnings of a lot of this technology. Smart speakers, I mean, voice assistants are all about collecting data and doing predictive analytics. But it's, it's uh, application in the health tech stuff, which we're seeing, you know, really just ramping up as people start experimenting with form factors. Which device are you going to want? But it's all about data. That's what's underpinning all of these devices. Right, and large amounts of data. I mean, healthcare in particular. I mean, with, with the devices, wearable devices, we're able to generate a lot of data about what's going on with your body, and uh, AI is able to figure out kind of what it all means. Well, one of the other big trends at this show when it comes to AI is 8K televisions, right? So, Absolutely. You know, four times the resolution of 4K, even though there's no 4K content out there that's native, and there's no 8K either, right? So, but the idea... Not yet, not yet. But the idea with, here's where AI comes into play. A lot of these TVs have AI chips, and they can upscale 4K content to 8K. I saw one demo where there was a picture of a cat that came on the screen, and I actually jumped back. I was like, is this in the room with me? That's how sharp it is when, wow. you, when you walk up close to an 8K TV. Um, but it's also in other devices that we use every day. Like, so like the Google Pixel 2 phone uses AI in the night sight mode when you're taking a picture in the dark, and it actually knows what that object is. So, oh, that stop sign is red. So I got much better pictures from the Pixel 3 this Christmas in low light because of AI. And we're seeing it in smart home devices like the cameras at your front door where you can um, have uh, photos of the people that are allowed to come to your door. The door automatically unlocks facial recognition technology because the cameras have gotten so better. Coupled with AI, I know that you're friendly. I'll unlock the door and let you into my house. I mean, that's all AI underpinnings taking advantage of evolving tech. Yeah, I, I really like the predictive, like what you mentioned right there. Like, it's getting easier and easier, and so now things are suggesting stuff, and I'm like, 
yeah, that's a good idea, yeah, okay. you know, okay. And I don't know at what point we jump the shark, but for now, it's kind of fun, you know? I think it is scary, though. I yeah. mean, it, uh, Duplex, which is the technology that Google introduced or announced last year that they were going to test, where their AI would make phone calls on your behalf and, like, call up your doctor or your hairdresser or a restaurant and make appointments for you, raised all sorts of ethical issues about whether they should let the person on the other end know that they were talking to an AI and that, you know, that starts a whole conversation about where this stuff is going. We're wow. not going to Terminator land, but I think that's why the backlash against Duplex, which they announced in March or April, you guys can uh, fact check me on that, led to them doing a Disneyland demonstration about, oh, how happy it is when you talk to the Google Assistant and it can make a phone call and order grandma's birthday cake for you or tell you, oh, you seem to be a little low on this or that, or it's raining today, you might want to take an umbrella, right, to try to, to make it less scary and less, you know, uh, invasive and intrusive so you don't go to surveillance, you know, society, big brother, but to, oh, helpful, friendly, you know, assistant. So one of the things that we've been talking a lot this year at CES 2019 is that every company kind of has to become a tech company. So that being said, what's the most unexpected product launch that you, you've seen this year? Uh, it, it, that's an easy one for me, and, and it's unconventional for CES, but uh, the Impossible Burger 2, 2.0, that was incredible. Yeah. I got, got to sample that, and it really does taste like meat. But that's a, you know, along with like Procter & Gamble and, and some other kind of unconventional tech companies that we're seeing uh, at CES, it makes things more interesting. One of the cooler things that I saw that I didn't try out, but one of my colleagues did, they're seeing a lot more beauty tech uh, at the show. So I think yep. it was uh, L'Oreal where they had a, a face scanner. Where So imagine you go into a Sephora, there's a face scanner that they scan your face, and then it gives you all these attributes for your skin. And then it says, based on your skin and the profile that we just pulled up on you, here are the products that are here in our store right now that are good for your, for your face. And that that, takes, that would immediate. definitely make, make my life easier. <laughs> I, I think about these connected devices. The the beauty tech is a trigger. It, somebody's going to look at that and say, "Yeah, that's the thing that's going to get me to want a smart mirror or a smart device." But other people will say, "No, I don't care." And so then, when you start looking at devices in the context of, are, "Is that the device going to be the trigger that convinces you to buy into this tech?" So that's why you're seeing this year a lot of snoring technology, masks and belts that, that you know, wake you up or not wake you up, give you a little nudge and vibration to stop you from snoring. Because maybe you're not interested in what your pores look like or your wrinkles, but oh my gosh, you want somebody to stop, your partner to stop snoring, or maybe your partner wants you to stop snoring. And that yes, might be the trigger that gets you to buy. We saw the Foldmate, which was here last year. It's a laundry folding machine. And I was doing tours, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I want one. $1,000 to fold your laundry, and you still have to put it in. I don't think I want it in my house. But maybe in the future, laundry services, Gap, you know, they, instead of their retail execs folding shirts and putting them back, maybe they're in changing rooms at, you know, clothing stores. You take off the thing, and you put it in the machine, and it folds it so the clerks can put it away. But it's machines doing automated tasks. What's the trigger that's going to get you to say, I'm not concerned about the data and the analytics? Because I really want you to solve that problem for me. I think um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like every company now has to consider themselves a tech company. 
You know, whether, yep. they're, whether they're here or not, like you, you hear like Domino's Pizza, and I don't think they're here, but they say they're a tech company, right? I mean, they're not a pizza company, they're a tech company. And like you mentioned, you know, Procter & Gamble. Um, I saw John Deere, and I think, that, I think that it's not just tech, but a big thing that I'm starting to see all over, especially in smart home, um, is sustainability. Sustainability is starting to come to the forefront for a lot of these brands where before, I don't think they really cared about it or it wasn't important, but you're starting to see it on their branding, you're starting to see it in their, uh, you know, their displays. Like sustainability is starting to become something that matters to consumers, and I think it matters to the, to the companies as well. Yeah, Procter & Gamble is a 163-year-old company, and it's the first time ever at CES. Yep, yeah. it is, it is. So I think we're just about to run out of time, so I'd love to go through and everyone say the one word that they think has described this year, CS 2019. Uh, for me, it's 5G. Um, smart. Robots. <laughs> I'd say 5G. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. Okay, now you still have time to be CES ready, and we're here to help. You can download the CES app. You can build your personal agenda, highlight your favorite exhibitors and speakers. You can also sync in time across all your devices. And new this year, you can connect to your LinkedIn account and see which connections of yours are also in Las Vegas at CES. The show runs through this Friday, January 11th here in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our podcasting stars, producer Tina Anthony and engineer John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. Thanks so much for being with us here at CES. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.